Welcome to our brand new show It's not that complicated so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of Tom Hanks movies Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank Holy shit Jamie! What? Behind you! A bear! Oh, I said I wasn't going to shout. Apologies for that. I just, yeah. you know, like, you've got to start with some energy and, okay. you know, just like a sense of panic. I don't, okay. I'm don't. i not getting that from you. I'm not no, getting a I'm sense not of panic that I no. want. No, firstly, because um, I know there isn't a bear behind me. There's a wall behind me. There could be a bear. Um, the bear there's a window, Jamie. The bear <laughs> could come through the window. Um, additionally, yes, before the podcast, you did say you weren't going to shout uh, immediately yeah, and you, you immediately broke that promise. That's true. Um, secondly, about 15 seconds yeah, before you started yeah, recording, yeah. you went... Oh, I know what I'm going to do. Yeah. And then you started to look something up. I did. Can I ask what you looked up to get to look a bear? <laughs> so, look, basically what I, I had the idea for a bear earlier. I like to start these with a, a bit, often loudly projected bit to let people know that it's begun and that we're in the podcast. And welcome to Hank's Bank. Well, fortunately, we have a, we have a theme song for that, Al. Uh, it's true, but I like to, after you've listened to the theme song, uh, be shocked out of your sensibilities. You know, it's uh, we, we're a very Brexian podcast here. We like to, um, you know, fuck with your ideas of safety in a podcast. Uh, so what I looked up was, originally I thought the idea of a bear, because I was like, okay. that'd be kind of fun. Okay, um, you just The second thing was, bear. I knew that Michael Clark Duncan, uh, who stars in uh, this week's film, The Green Mile, uh, was a bodyguard before he went into... Um, yes. Uh, before he went into the acting. And I knew... That he was either the bodyguard of Biggie or Tupac, and I was trying to figure out which one, and it was the Notorious B.I.G., uh, and he quit bodyguarding after Biggie, Biggie died, died. Um, but I can't remember, I was trying to figure out whether or not he was his bodyguard while he died, Okay. and I couldn't find that, and also I thought it might be slightly tactless to be like, shit, Biggie! Um, okay, so, you know. okay, well, well, okay. So I went for a bear. Okay, but... Okay, I'm I'm losing the connection between yeah. bear. No, no, to bear was bear was first. Bear was first. Then I, you thought I, I don't want to do that, and then I you thought, it was thought then you looked up body. Trying to get a better water, then went nah, can't top the bear, so I went back to bear. Okay, I also I went think back to bear six. I also think this is probably uh, the first time we have ever had um, both the film we are reviewing and the actor's name yeah. of one of the stars before I say <laughs> hello and welcome to Hanks Bank, the show where we chronologically review Tom Hanks' entire IMDb. I'm Jamie Loxon and with me as always is my co-host. Introduce yourself, my co-host. The year was 1994. <laughs> That's not A an star fell from heaven into the womb of my mother. Uh, nine months later, no, nay, six months later, I came out fully developed. I spoke to my mother. I said, give me a microphone and an iPod. She said, that's not been invented yet. I said, damn it. I think microphones had been invented in 1994. Uh, the iPod has not been invented. The iPod uh, I said, woman, I need to speak the truth about one man, our Lord and Saviour, Thomas Jeffrey Hanks. Uh, that's not his middle name. Yes, it, it is. is. You keep guessing that it's that, and it is his middle name, and then you think it's not his middle name. I said, look, Forrest Gump will win the Oscars this year. And so a podcast began. Uh, my name is, of course, uh, Alexander. I uh, name. Fun fact. My name is Alexander. My uh, name is Alexander. Fun fact. Uh, as a small child, I travelled back in time to ancient Greece, and Alexander the Great was actually named after me. Fun fact. <laughs> 
My middle name, David, named after my father. Other middle name, Christian. Why? I come from a long line of Christians. My <laughs> last name, Gillespie, because Wait, that you was come my from father's long, You come from a long line of people who were part of the Christianity faith. Yes. I was about to call it the Christianity faith. My dad's middle name is Christopher. Okay. So it is, so, there's so a theme of Christ. You come from a long line of... Christ people. Of people who believe in Christ, not a long line of well, people called Christian. No, no, but again, my dad is David Christopher John Gillespie. And I'm Alexander David Christian because his dad was John. And Christ, Christopher, because that's the word Christ in it. Okay. I'm Alexander David because my dad's called David. Christian, because again, Christ. And then Gillespie. And that's how I introduce myself. Jamie, why don't you tell us a little bit about your name? Uh, my name is uh, James Peter Loxon Jones. Here's a fun uh, fact about my middle name, mm. uh, Loxon, which is now my acting surname. Yes. Uh, there is not a single piece of identification I own which spells my middle name correctly. Oh. Uh, the correct spelling is L O X S T O N. What? Yes, if you follow me on Twitter, I drop the S because it's a silly way of spelling it. Uh, it's a familial name, uh, much like yours. I believe it is uh, my grandfather's, uh, uh, one of my grandfather's names. Um, but thing. yes. I do not know. I think surname. I think it's a, I think it's Sorry, a family surname like from a while ago. Loxton as your first name. That is a bold first name. Um, but yes, uh, so it's spelled L-O-X-S-T-O-N. Anyone who follows me on Twitter, at Jamie P. Loxton, drop the S. Uh, yeah. <laughs> getting those plugs in early. Um, but uh, on my passport, uh, the old X there. Yep. Been changed for a Y. My passport says James Peter Loyston Jones, uh, and because uh, I, is that legal? Uh, well, I was going on holiday just before I got my passport ten years ago, and we were like, we don't have time to fix this. And so, ten years later, I went to. Um, I'm renewing my passport next year, and I'll probably correct it. However, uh, my I recently passed my driver's test, yes. and that is taken from your passport. passport true, true. And so, on my driver's license, it also says James Peter Loyston Jones. Is it? I'm thinking now, Alexander. Is it? potentially bad that we are revealing our full names just in terms of you know private security should we be revealing our full names on this podcast i didn't tell people uh my confirmation name for people who don't know in catholicism when you get confirmed you get to pick another name and i picked polycarp i wasn't giving away all that information (laughs) jamie don't worry um so yes, uh, my passport and my um, uh, driving license spelled incorrectly. Sure. Uh, on any student IDs, they've always dropped the S yes. because no one would ever no. assume the S would be there. Sure. And now, of course, uh, in my uh, acting career, I've also dropped the S. So I do not, apart from my birth certificate, yes. I do not own a single <laughs> piece of way of confirming my actual correct what, name. What I appreciate is for a while when you said your, your acting surname, um, I was slightly confused in the sense of uh, whether it was for your acting or if it was just like a standard before it confirmed. Yes, it's like a standing for now until it got confirmed by mm. the Senate. How was uh, your week, Al? Uh, it's really good. It's really good. I've been playing some Pokemon. Yes. So, um, yes, and you uh, are I'm, much unlike all of the nerds on the internet, and you actually quite like the game. Yeah, I do. You know what, you sons of bitches. I'm really sorry. This is a very specific, probably audience of one I'm talking to you right now. I know you've developed the full decks. That's great. I get I get the urge of wanting to be able to have all the Pokemon in one game. It does not matter at all. There's a false rumor going around that in order to get an ability to uh, change the volume in the game, yes. you have to complete a quest. You don't. You go speak to someone in the second town you go to, and that's it. Yes, but are you ever told that you have to go speak to that person, or that there is an no, option just, to unlock the sound? It, it's just a fun feature. It's, just, <laughs> it's a get rid of things which have been in the Pokemon games forever. It's like it's not like it's 
to like change the volume in the like of the actual game. It's to go around like if you want to specifically get rid of like Pokemon cries, you can do that. Uh, but Jamie, are we in a Pokemon podcast or no, are we, we are in not. a name podcast? <laughs> are we in a name podcast? Yeah, like oh, right. Yeah, we talk about oh, right. we talking about for ten Michael minutes. Michael yeah. Clark Duncan, three <laughs> first names. That's kind of confusing, isn't it? <laughs> You're not even going to ask me how my week was? Uh, Jamie, I mean, I, normally I, you ask yourself, right? I know, and I know. You know what? I know After a certain point, uh, quite regularly, I want to ask you, and then you're like, oh, yeah, thanks for asking, Al. And then you go and say well, it anyway. And after a certain point, I just stopped trying, Jamie. Also, you have I been lulled into trying. a false sense of security where the last few weeks I have had nothing to say. That is true. That is true. But what's... Jamie, you got you got a big <laughs> news look on your face. Yeah, I do. And Al, this week, I told the best joke I've ever told. Right. I'm go. going to relay this joke. And of course won't be as funny in retelling it that, but that's fine that's I just want people Jamie. I'm so proud of this joke that I don't care that in retelling it it will be less funny because I'm so so proud of how quickly I made it so uh, I was getting a dinner with uh, some family friends um, and we were chatting and as you know uh, I speak three languages uh, and we were discussing uh, languages because it's what I like to talk about three of them uh, what? yeah uh, you, no you speak two five you speak two. You speak right. English and Swahili. Uh, I speak English. I speak ancient Latin. I speak ancient Greek. I speak clerical Greek, and I speak Swahili. <laughs> Alright If anyone wants to know What Swahili is uh, Stick around We will explain Oh yeah um, So yeah we were discussing languages And I was talking about How many other languages Especially romance languages Are much easier than English Because they have lots of rules mm. Whereas English Has barely any rules I, And I pointed out You know There's basically one rule We have which is ED means it's the past tense That's about all we've got uh, and then the gentleman I was speaking to said, uh, yeah, and even that's not that clear because ED can mean erectile dysfunction. That was a good <laughs> quite, joke. Quite a funny little joke. And then I was, it was a little bit uncomfortable because this man's a little bit older. So we like, there was a little bit of a laugh and then a little bit of a lull. And then he went, well, you know, I am 63 years old. <laughs> you got a little bit more uncomfortable. And so I, quick as a flash, Alexander, upon him saying, uh, I'm 63 years old, I said... So you talk about the past tense a lot. And immediately the tension was, was eased. It was a fantastically relevant, it was a very good joke. I was very proud of it. And in the situation, it was also the exact joke the room needed. It, is it bad that I prefer the erectile dysfunction joke? It is bad because that person isn't here trying to tell you their joke. That's true. This person is That's here true. trying to tell you my joke. I, I, I think, like you said... Uh, the, but here's the thing. I think the second joke you needed to be there. That's it, it's it's a you got to be in that conversation talking about languages kind of joke. Whereas the first Jamie penises are always funny, <laughs> as we know on this podcast, penises are always funny. So what do we do here, Al? Well, of course, Swag Healy, we're going to come back to it. You wanted to know, you, you dear listeners, anyone who's new, we've, we've, we've had, actually, we wanted to say a big thank you to everyone yep. this month. We've had a, a really good month this month, and that's fantastic and yep. really nice to hear that uh, people are enjoying the show and downloading and going through our back catalogue and re-listening. Uh, were... So, if you have re-listened, you know this story, but if you are new, if you've listened to, lift, 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 if you've listened to, Mal-ish. you've got mail and, and Toy Story 2, you enjoyed it, but we haven't really gone deep depth in those last couple of episodes of what the fuck we do here. No. Aliens have invaded Al. Shit. I know. Fucking scary, ain't it? We were walking down the street one day. We saw a trampoline. We thought, fuck it. We're men. We're we're secure in our adulthood and our masculinity. We can jump on a a trampoline and just have some pure whimsical fun. We we jumped so hard that people actually started crowding around and referring to us as the Bouncy Boys. Yes. True facts. Um, And so uh, while the Bouncy Boys and the chant was going, going, bounce, bounce, bounce. And they looked up and we'd frozen midair. 
They looked up slightly further and they could see, they could hear, they could hear, warm, 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 warm. And so they looked slightly higher. Is it a bird? It in a in it in, in a plane. Yeah, <laughs> so the first oh, person, my, first oh, person, perfectly, <laughs> perfectly well-to-do British man said, yes. "Is it a bird?" And then a cockney out of nowhere went, "In a plane." And then a man from the West Country <laughs> went up and said, "No, it's an alien up there. It is." Um, I'm just showing off how many bad accents I can do. And yes, of course, it was aliens. They caught us in a tractor beam. They brought us up. Yeah, yeah. They started talking. I didn't understand them, but you seem to be understanding. So I sort of, of sat back uh, and they, they chat to you for a while. And then you relayed some information to me. You said, look, these lads, they're from the United States of Space. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they've come here because Flomatron 8 is one of the planets in the United States of Space. Uh, so something happened. Uh, Trevor Tram, the small boy, bitch boy leader of uh, Flomatron 8, he flexed his guns, he did. He got his guns out, he went, flexed them, and he said, we out, bitches. And that started the process of flex it, uh, because he triggered Article 66, uh, of course, and that was them leaving uh, the United States of space. However, this process, taking a little bit of a while, uh, Trevor Trammer's actually on the way. <laughs> there's, there's been a few, a few mm. more small boy bitch boys since then, and yeah. in fact, there may be another one again soon. Um, <laughs> But, uh, no, there probably won't, to be honest. Oh, um, my God, what? Um, and so they said, so you've got a little bit of time, but we're going around, we're, we're shopping around, we're trying to find someone to replace Flomatron 8. Sure. And we want you to prove your worth to join the United States mm-hmm. of Space. Mm-hmm. And again, you've relayed this all to me, and I'm like, yeah. okay, that's great. And then they threw a pin to me. Yeah. I suck it in my brain, and at that point I could stand the sand swag. suck it in your brain? <laughs> I suck it in my brain. <laughs> you suck it? I you, stuck it. You suck I it. I stuck it Sorry. in my brain. <laughs> you just, like, Come on, Al. You were there. You saw me stab it into my brain. I was looking at the aliens, Jamie. Yes, okay, fair. You are a little bit distracted. Um, And I started understanding Swahili. I thought, it's a bit mean. (laughs) A bit mean that they didn't give that to me before. Like, yeah, fine. You were acting perfectly fine as a translator. Um, And so so I said, okay, cool. We've we've got this. We're going to show you our greatest human. And then uh, we looked at each other, deep in each other's eyes. Um, I let in for a kiss. You were like, no, that's not what this is about. And then... We both said, in unison, <laughs> Tom Hanks. <laughs> okay, we did say it in unison this time, but I swear, guys, we said it in oh, unison yeah, yeah. that time. Um, and they were like, okay, great, that's your, well, that's your greatest human? Fantastic. Can we, uh, what does he do? Like, he's an actor. Oh, great. Can we uh, watch some of his movies? We had a quick skim through IMDb and we're like, we might need a minute. Most of these, a little bit shit. Uh, so give us a hot minute. We're going to go. We're going to review mm-hmm. each mm-hmm. one of them chronologically, one by one, and then we're going to come back to you with a collection. Quite. A collection of films and TV shows that we're going to show to you that's going to save humanity. Mm. And they said, well, what are you going to call this? And, well, we said, in unison, Hank's Bank. Yay! There we go. Imagine this as it was exactly like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and then just before they dipped, they did say, oh, by the way, if you don't pass, we will blow up your entire planet. Cool, bye. Yeah. Um, so... A little bit of pressure. We're about, uh, we're about th- just over a third of the way yep, through at this yep. point. Um, you know, a little bit of pressure mounting. I think we've got, we've got a decent collection of True. movies to show them, but, you know, True. we can always show them more. Of course. Uh, and so we, this week... We learned that, um, you know, of course, Tom Hanks is no. possessed by the ghost of uh, Warren B. Harding, uh, the former president of the United States of America. Uh, as this a baby, a- the ghost came in and just took over his body and was like, I want to be a star. This is a conspiracy theory. Uh, I am not a, a, a Warren G. Hardinger. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a Warren, Warren G. Hardinger of death. Get it? 
Get it? Like a Harbinger of Death. Get it? <laughs> I've read Good Omens recently. Um, anyway, so yeah, uh, that's that's your personal belief. I do not hold that belief. That's true. Um, and so we're going through them. Last week we did Toy Story 2. Yeah. This week we're doing The Green Mile. Yeah. Uh, for any uh, new listeners, we always give you a little bit of historical context mm. and a little bit of show context before going into the movie. Uh, we also always talk for about half an hour before we it's do true. any of it's those true. things. I like that before the podcast started, you were like, ow, all right, we've got a load of new listeners. Let's just keep it simple. <laughs> let's just keep, let's just, we don't want to put them off. Uh, and then, you know, we, we, we kind of were there. You know, I introduced the name of the film even before the podcast. Uh, and and uh, very quickly, we descended into our usual rambling on uh, aliens and well, space. Well, no, so I see here I would disagree with you, Al. Sure. Because I would say in previous episodes, yes. where we've kind of just gone, oh, by the way, there are aliens in a space and Swahili. That's way more confusing. No. At least here, we are breaking it down. We are giving them the entire law of this podcast so they can really feel like a member of the community. Yeah. And if you feel like you're a member of the community and you want to send us a message about any upcoming films or things that you might like, then you us. can send us in a... Friends Thoughts! Friends Thoughts! And of course, we haven't described this for a while. If you say Friends Thoughts, then you must do two horizontal dabs. Yeah. on the fr- One on the friends, friends, one on the thoughts. Thoughts. And importantly, it's not thought. T-H-O-U-G-H-T-S. No, it's, it's Friends Thoughts. Uh, I teach uh, seven-year-old children uh, English, so I'm very used to uh, being very patronising, going, isn't alliteration fun? (laughs) I'm a good teacher, I swear. Anyway, so yes, uh, this week we're doing Green Mile. Uh, Before we get into historical context, and show context, we'll give you a little bit of a quick plot summary in case anyone hasn't seen it. It is an adaptation of a Stephen King novel uh, that is a magical realism representation of a man uh, who is sent to prison He's, sent, he's on death row. That's what the Green Mile is. Tom Hanks, he plays a, a correctional officer, not correctional, a prison officer. Uh, I'll be a correctional on... officer. Correctional officers are prison officers. Really? Because yeah. it's I don't think they're doing much correcting in the old well, death row. Well, no, that's um, because they're murdering people. But yes. Still uh, the, so, yeah, uh, prison officer on death row. Sure. And then uh, Michael Clark Duncan uh, comes in uh, uh, having... Uh, been accused of killing two little girls, but it turns out he's a little bit magic. Uh, spoilers, Jamie. Magic people can murder people too. Have you not heard of Voldemort, you idiot? I Magical and a murderer. I just said he was a little bit magic. I did not say whether he actually committed that uh, crime or the not. The look on your face suggests you think he's innocent. That's a lie. We yeah, will come well, to it. Well, Voldemort is out there. Fortunately, Alexander, the look on my face doesn't fucking matter. This is a goddamn podcast. It's an audio-based uh, medium. I'm sorry. I could be making Jamie, the happiest face I, I've ever I, made in my life. Have you what? not stuck the uh, subtitles on when you're reading it? I put subtitles in the code here just to <laughs> say what your expression is at all times. Jesus fucking Christ, Al. What can you tell me about the second half of 1999? I'm going to keep it short. Oh, shocker, that because one. Because it's really three shocker, hours that one. long, all right? <laughs> Keeping it short, it, Jamie? You seem to keep it short a lot of these uh, weeks, Al. Find a new excuse we every t- week. <laughs> podcast has been going up in length and length every week. I might be keeping it short. I'm sorry for brevity. Uh, look, there are just three important facts. <laughs> Maybe I can remember two. Let's see. One, the Millennium Stadium opens because the Millennium's about to happen. What's the Millennium? This is not a fact. I'll give you a free one. The Millennium is a thousand years. So for this case, the third Millennium began on the January 1st, 2000. We won't get that next year, but it's saying it's well, happening. They about- opened the Millennium Dome. It's a big dome. It was the world's third largest uh, structure by sheer volume, I think. Well, actually, Alexander, uh, the new Millennium technically will have started on January 1st, 2001. No, it won't. 
Yes, the millennium, no, the millennium begins on 2000. Otherwise, because the millennium is a thousand years, it begins on 1000, ends in 1999. That's why everyone was partying in 1999, Jamie. No, no. Yes, the millennium no, begins in 2000. Start, no, we start, we don't, I, I recognise that, but people are dumb. Um, the first year was year one. So the first... No, the year de- was no, zero. No, we, Yes. What year? I'm, zero AD is the year of the birth of Christ. Does zero AD exist? Does zero AD anyway, regardless, exist? The, the, the millennium was celebrated on 2000. The year the year zero does not exist. Sure. The first that year doesn't mean the millen- that, does, that does not mean the millennium didn't start in... Because, the, because we're not on zero in 2000. <laughs> no, no, Jamie, no, no, it was oh, celebrated... Oh. You're trying to tell me the millennium was celebrated on 2001, Jamie. I'm not, it was I'm not, not saying... Celebrated no. I'm not saying it was celebrated, it's, Alexander. I'm saying the- that the third millennium... Because the year one was the first year. That means the first millennium was the first thousand years, which was year one to year 1,000. Once year 1,000 ends, the second that's millennium That's not ends. how people count millenniums. They count millenniums <laughs> beginning 2,000. Yeah, but that's because people are dumb. No, that's the correct. It was the beginning. No, it's not. Yes, it's not the, the millennium is the number in front of the, the thousandth year. Jamie, no. oh my God. Can someone please write a friend's force in for this dumbass and no. tell the millennium began on year oh, 2000? Oh, I'm so That's right. That's why it was called the millennium bomb. It was Y2K, you son of a gun. I recognise that. You what got, the I'm hell? not denying that everyone celebrated. Because that was the beginning of the millennium. No, it's because people are dumb. The millennium wasn't 1001 to 2000. It was 1000 to 2009. <laughs> Okay, when was the millennium? <laughs> when was the millennium? No, I'm not saying when was the millennium. I'm saying when did the third millennium start, which is two. Right, we'll look up the two things. One second. <laughs> you can look up some other fun facts <laughs> while we took this up. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, so the other when did fact- the third millennium start? Google Monday, first of January, two thousand and one to Wednesday, thirty first of December, three thousand. Bullshit, That is bullshit. That is bullshit. Look, I teach maths, okay? I, I don't understand how you... You don't teach time, Jamie! You don't teach the abstract concept of time! <laughs> right, oh okay. What else? Oh, yeah, the idiots of NASA, yeah. The guys Jamie Hayes and think are dum-dums. Well, guess what? Turns out, that was kind of proven correct. They lose a probe in space. It's the Mars Exploration Probe. They lose it. When was the millennium? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yes! I'm right! Because, okay, Alexander. One second, one, no, 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 okay, Alex- fair enough, fair enough. Al- Can I just quickly read this in silence? Okay, okay, well, no, you can't read it in silence because this is a podcast. To you and anyone else who may be a little bit confused, I'm going to explain it to you very simply. The first millennium was the first thousand years. If the first year is year one, the thousandth year was the year 1000, which means the second millennium didn't start in the year, until the year 1001. That doesn't and make that- it's a social construct. Yes. The social construct was celebrated on 2000. <laughs> yes, I recognise that. I Time it doesn't exist! Time is not a thing! We just observe it! It doesn't actually that's no it's dates don't make any difference! The millennium happened till 2000! It's uh, it's just I, made up! It's all okay. made up! Jamie, this oh podcast is made up! It's not it's nonsense! I cannot stress this enough. <laughs> it's not I, even this wait, year. No no, I cannot stress this enough. 
I am not claiming again. I am not claiming that that's people fair, didn't celebrate the millennium on the year two thousand. I am not claiming that. Obviously not. I'm not trying to gaslight you into believing that people actually partied like it was the year two thousand and not the year nineteen ninety nine. I recognise that people celebrated the millennium of the passing from nineteen ninety nine to the year two thousand. I am also saying, can you please stop shaking? I'm getting things? some anti-axis training. I'm getting heartburn from this conversation. I am just saying that the third millennium started in 2001. You know what? That is all I'm saying. You know saying. what, you son of a bitch. Put your hand there. You know, this is one of the rare times I think an argument changed someone's mind. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, but listeners, we I'm just shook hands. We actually... And I took an anti-acid. And he just took an anti-acid. Are you done with your false facts about the year 1989? Uh, also, the Rugby World Cup took place where, Jamie? That's right, Wales. In the Millennium Stadium, not the Millennium Dome, which was in London. I'll talk to you about that, too. And Australia won. Uh, who cares? Cool. The women... Uh, women uh, <laughs> oh, women! Someone beat China to get to the finals of the World, the football, what, women's football World Cup. I'm not sure when, but I'm not sure who it was. No, the, fo- uh, the women's football World Cup. Mm. I don't know. Um, unfortunately, fake uh, fan. I, well, yeah, I'm a fake disgusting, uh, disgusting misogynist. Fake football fan. Um, so, this movie, Green Mile. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is three hours long, and we're so deep in this podcast yeah, yeah. already. It's fine. Um, so, this movie, Green Mile, based on, as I said, Stephen King novel written in 1996. Who's Stephen King? Stephen King. I wouldn't know. I can't read. That's true. Um, he's the writer of other movies, uh, writer of other movies, writer of other <laughs> books, uh, such as uh, Shawshank Redemption, It, The Mist, uh, etc., and a bunch of short stories. You like Stephen King? I'm sure I would. Uh, if I could read um, Frank Darabont uh, who goes on to make uh, The Walking Dead uh, also wrote and directed this this is five years after he wrote and directed Shawshank Redemption uh, which is also a Stephen King adaptation something we've noted on this podcast before even though a lot of people love Shawshank Redemption it did not make that much money it made 58 million uh, on a 25 million dollar budget whereas this made 290 million on a 60 million dollar budget making it uh, the most uh, profitable or the most successful uh, Stephen King adaptation for many years to come. Until It? Yes, yeah. until It, which makes like 600 billion yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, Darabont was initially hesitant uh, to make this due to it being very similar in uh, setting yeah. to uh, Short Time Redemption. Well, the book uh, prison. prison and people who are wrongly convicted <laughs> yeah. who were. Uh, oh, who's doing the spoilers now, Al? Voldemort is out there, <laughs> all right. Um, but he read the book and absolutely loved it. Uh, Stephen King said he always envisioned uh, Hanks in the role and uh, was always Frank Darabont's uh, first choice as well, which is great. We don't. We finally got out of the time yeah. when we have to hear Although, about Chevy Chase and Bill Murray being cast in every I fucking movie in the 90s. Apparently, also offered the role uh, to um, John Travolta, who is another guy who gets up for a lot of the castings of Tom Hanks, and normally yeah. turns them down. And I guess where's John Travolta's career now, son of a bitch? <laughs> uh, and in fact, uh, Darren and Hanks had wanted to work together for a while, yeah. and uh, Tom Hanks had to h- turn down uh, the main role of Andy Dufresne in Shawshank Redemption, which oh. ends up going to Tim Robbins, yeah, I Tim think Robbins. is the actor's name. And you can see the similarity in the casting there, both very uh, similar looking men. Uh, but he had to turn it down because he was making uh, Forrest Gump at the time, well, and he couldn't... Yeah, well, I mean, imagine if you've been able to do both. It was actually, it was not, it was just they, they couldn't get the schedules to work. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, I'm doing a movie, I can't do anything else. They sure. just couldn't get the schedules I mean, to I mean, work. you definitely, if he could only do one... He I guess, a, yeah. He Forrest made Gump a lot, was, considering when, he got cut the box office of Forrest Gump, he made a lot of money on Forrest yes. Gump. Yes. Um, 
Oh, there's a lot of people in this movie. Uh, Body Hunt uh, plays Tom Hanks' wife. Tom Hanks plays, as I said, uh, the main uh, prison guard. Uh, James Cromwell uh, plays the warden. Uh, there's two people who we've seen before in this movie, which is uh, always nice for our, yeah. our long Hanks Bank Hanks Bankian fans. What 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 do we call our, our fans? Bankers. Cool. <laughs> so, uh, for our long-time bankers out there, um, Barry Pepper uh, is one of the other prison uh, officers in this, uh, and Barry Pepper plays the sniper uh, in Saving Private Ryan. And our old buddy Gary Sinise yeah, is back in this. He plays uh, the lawyer that defends uh, Michael Clark Duncan yeah. as... Uh, James Coffee, what's his name? John, John, John Coffee. Coffee. He's saying a thousand yeah, times I know. in the film. I, I got confused. Uh, John Coffee, uh, the John um, Coffey. the main uh, magical uh, prisoner. Do you think that Tom Hanks just gets Gary Sinise hired for work because they? He, I, I'm sure he is in other films, but people just put these two movies together. All the freaking yeah, time in the 90s. Probably. Um, so yeah, Michael Clark Duncan plays uh, John Coffey. Uh, Bruce Willis actually got uh, John Coffey the role. They'd starred together in Armageddon Michael the year Clark before. What did I say? John Coffey. John yes, he gets Michael Clark Duncan the John Coffey role. Yeah. Um, because they worked together on Armageddon the year before. Uh, and there was like almost an open casting because they were struggling to cast John Coffey because it's it has to be just like a huge, huge, huge black man. Um, and um, yeah, so they were struggling to cast it and Bruce Willis saw that there was an open casting and went to Frank Darabont and was like, you have to get Michael Clark Duncan. He was fantastic. Um, this is unconfirmed and I, I could not find a proper source for this. So take it with a grain of salt. Uh, but apparently Shaquille O'Neal was considered for John Coffey's role. <laughs> that would have been... Horrific casting. Um, Turn down for space, Joe. Yes. Um, interestingly, uh, Michael Clark Duncan, not that tall. Uh, no. He is six foot five, uh, which puts him as not the tallest cast member in this. Uh, James Cromwell, who plays the warden, is an inch taller than him. Yeah. Uh, and um, who's the other? Uh, uh, he's only an inch uh, taller than uh, David Morse, yeah. who plays one of the other uh, correctional officers. Uh, so they used a lot of camera tricks uh, to sort of make Michael Clark Duncan yeah. seem a lot bigger because he's in the book he's about seven foot tall. Yeah. Um, and they also made his bed smaller <laughs> to make him seem larger. Uh, he also had to stop um, working out yeah. uh, during the making of he's this still, film. He's still so big, uh, but because he had to realistically play uh, a uh, essentially a slave in the 1930s, um, he could not. They were like, you can't be like fully cut to not, play this movie. Not, not to um, press the point too much. When do you think slavery ends in America? That's why I said sort of. It, like, he's not. I, right. we'll, go, we'll get on to that. Yes. I, I get where you're coming from. I'm yes, just, I didn't I know what else sure to call it. when slavery ended yes. in America, and it was definitely earlier than the Yes, earlier than this. That's why I'd, I don't know what. Uh, sure, we'll whatever. Get on, we'll get Either on way, to. they were like, look, you we'll can't be on. fully cut for this uh, sure. movie. You need to stop working out. Um, a few other things. Uh, this cast seemed to get on really, really well together. Uh, Sam Rockwell is the last person uh, who's well known in this. Uh, people may know him from loads of different roles. Uh, he was in Three Billboards uh, uh, relatively he's in Moon, recently. He's he was in, in Moon. Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy yeah. film. He's, he's in, in loads of things. Uh, and so um, it seems this cast got really uh, on really well together. Tom Hanks and Sam Rockwell uh, were, did a video for... Um, the Hollywood Reporter a few years ago, the Oscars, they get their Oscars roundtable and they were discussing this movie uh, and they said how uh, members of the cast would come and like just watch Sam Rockwell perform even when they're not even in the scene because they loved him so much yeah. and like Tom Hanks would regularly do um, the reverse, he would stand in and do the off-screen work or the reverse shots which... Yeah. 
a an actor of Doesn't Tom Hanks's uh, stature at this point does not have to do that. Uh, but he just loved Sam Rockwell's yeah. performance so much that he would uh, stand in and do it. Uh, and uh, they got on so much uh, that David Valdez, one of the producers, said that Tom cried on Michael Clark Duncan's uh, final uh, day of shooting. Uh, Tom Hanks would uh, treat the whole cast to um, uh, a meal every Friday night. Uh, which is very, very cute. He also says that they would regularly do like 16, 17 hour days. Like it was a very intense shoot uh, and they loved the set that they were performing on. So they still uh, all really enjoyed it. And finally, there's a little little mouse in this called Mr. Alexander. You've Jangles. Watched? Mr. Jangles. Thank you. Um, there were 15 different mice trained because he's a, a little mice that has to do a few tricks as they had 15 different mice that they trained for this. And that is all of my facts. Oh, no, one last fact. Uh, Tom Hanks stayed in character uh, all the time when Stephen King was on set and not when Stephen King was not on the set. That's very <laughs> Right, uh, let's uh, start. Jamie, what uh, do Banksy and this film have in common? They both love framing devices. That's right, <laughs> we begin in 1999, give or take a year or two, uh, in an old folks' home. They're a bunch of old biddies. Uh, they are just living their life, all right? There's an old guy. What's he doing? He's getting some dry, cold toast. Where's he going? For a walk. What Alexander, happened? I swear to God, this no, no, no. movie is I'm three gonna, hours I, long. I, I, hey, 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 I am parrying him. Same tone, <laughs> right? Not, I do not. I, you are slowing me down, <laughs> son. Right. He comes back. They're watching a film. They're watching Jerry Springer. All the old people hate Jerry Springer because why? Fuck that guy. Someone changes the TV. They turn on an old film with a song. I'm in heaven is sung. And old Tom Hanks starts to cry. His mate, who was definitely trying to bang him, also probably 70-ish, goes, hey, what's wrong? They go out, they have a conversation, and Tom Hanks begins to tell about the time he was a prison officer during the Depression. We go back in time to the Green Mile. It's death row. Everyone's on there. Tom Hanks is in charge, and anything we need to know about him, one major thing, he's pissing needles. That's right. He's definitely sleeping or cheating on his wife because he has an STD. Um, and so he can't pee, and it's really, really bad. He's got urinary tract infection. It's a tough time. He shouldn't cheat on his wife. Quickly. At this point, while he's pissing. Very, very, dick. very yes. quickly, Alexander. Sorry, I needed to double check this. Um, so um, the song I'm in Heaven yeah. uh, has been is very classic uh, Hollywood song. Been recorded by Fred Astaire, Doris Day, Billy Hollywood, a bunch of people. Very classical song. It has been used in two movies. Yes. The Green Mile and 2017's The Boss Baby. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I had to, I remembered looking that up but forgot, forgot yeah. which the other movie was. So, uh, yeah. Tom Hanks that? has a UTI. He has a UTI. Uh, <laughs> I give you do, do, do a UTI. Anyway, uh, he's pissing needles and at this point, uh, the guy everyone hates, we're going to call him Nobby McNobface, is coming in. They have a new prisoner coming in today, John Coffey. He's responsible for the death of two girls and as he's bringing this guy in, we don't see John Coffey so, at the beginning. You just see like massive, massive chest. Yeah. Uh, and um, the guy's like, damn man, what got a damn man, what and everyone hates this guy. Yes. They're like, this is a really inhumane way to treat prisoners, and also is likely to get them riled up and start like responding worse to us. That's not what we want to do here. Uh, they put him in. Uh, they put uh, John Coffey, uh, played by Michael Clark Duncan. Uh, who in this is just meant to be huge, as we said, like seven foot. This guy is uh, you know, yeah, massive. The, I think towards the end of the film, they kind of give up on this. But in these first few shots, he's, like he's all the framing just, is very much like, yeah. holy shit, this dude is fucking he's huge. huge. And uh, they get rid of Nommy McNoughface. All right. They're like, why don't you go see if anyone needs help in the infirmary? He's like, no one needs to be in the infirmary. They're like, go away. 
They have a conversation with John Coffey. Tom Hanks, as the prison warden, goes inside and says, look, we're going to have any problems here? And uh, he's like, nope. I just really don't like the dark. Yep. Okay, do you keep, I'm afraid do you of the dark. Keep the, night, the lights on at night because I don't like yeah. the dark. And this he's, surprises he's, them. He's a yeah. He is a um, gentle giant. Yes. Um, it, it, he is not portraying any specific. But if we were to say it's quite a similar performance to Forrest Gump in that is yeah. the, that sort of it's vague learning disability. Sure, nothing like, specific. Nothing it's very, specific. It's very vague in general. Um, so anyway, as the Nobby McNoff faces walking out to go to the prison infirmary, he smashes the fingers of a uh, another One of prisoner. Prisoners. I think it's called Duncan. I can't uh, remember what he's called. Something. But he's called something like that. And uh, just to show that this guy is really cruel. They know that John Coffey seems a bit strange, right? He's very gentle inside. How could he do this? Uh, the other guards, uh, after having taken the prisoner whose fingers have been smashed, off to um, the... Uh, infirmary to get his fingers fixed. Uh, Tom Hanks gets given the file on John Coffey. And so and we see sort of him reading it and also a visualisation of it, uh, which is a bunch of white people in a white town looking around trying to find um, someone because one of their daughters, or two, two, two of, one of them has had both of his daughters, daughters. go missing. Uh, they're leading a mob, um, essentially, and eventually they come across um, John Coffey crying over uh, two very, very bloody... And, uh, like, and like, cradling in the Cradling their heads, and he's coming on blood too. Yeah, and, and he's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do it, I, I was trying to help. Yeah. Um, something like that. Uh, and then they're like... Well, now he's on death row. Yeah. So, uh, that's the main section uh, in the beginning, we kind of know that. Uh, we have some more scenes as we learn about Mr. Jangles, a mouse comes out. Yes, yes, a little, little, little mousey... Uh, little like mouse. One of, the, um, one of the prisoners, the one who has his fingers broken, uh, yep. takes a bit of a liking to him. He's like, oh, look, can I keep him? Look, he's kind he, of does, French. he does, he's, he's uh, like, he does circus tricks. I think he's from like Louisiana, he, he, he seems Cajun, speaks a lot of French. Um, and he's going to teach the guy tricks. Uh, the uh, dickish Nobby McNobb guy... Uh, it wants to beat the shit out of this mouse, but everyone no else fucking is like, reason. Yeah. everyone else is like, oh, it's kind of cute. The mouse can like push a little uh, wheel, a thread, wheel of a thread of wheel. Um, at this point, though, we also see our first execution. They uh, get one of the, um, uh, they get the mouse, uh, the mouse criminal uh, in, and for basically to kind of um, stage do a dress rehearsal. Of it, um, at this point they're kind of showing everyone how, how it works. Yeah, so setting it up take, for us. Take, take him to take him to the seat. Get the sponge wet. Put the sponge put in his head. Put the it all on. on. Um, the person says, uh, uh, "May God have mercy on your soul." That whole speech, and then someone who's behind a wall, uh, so you cannot see who's the person actually sure. doing it, and he doesn't see the person um, uh, yeah. who's getting killed. Um, and also they have a hood put over their yeah. uh, face so you don't see their and face. At this point, everyone's laughing around. The guy's making jokes. He knows that he's not um, up for execution the next day. Yeah. And Tom Hanks stops them. Tom Hanks says, hey, you need to cut that out. In the same way, like, if you get a, a joke in your head during church, you won't be able to stop laughing. Imagine how awful it would be tomorrow if you started laughing during the execution. We're not having that. And at this point, we're kind of all the way through the beginning setting out alongside having an STD, maybe cheating on his wife. I don't think that's how oh, I got that STD. Um, that he's a decent man. Right? UTI, UTIs aren't necessarily an STD. Not necessarily, but <laughs> I'm, I'm saying is, um, uh, that's my... Yeah, he's also character. a good man. Uh, and then uh, with, 
in the uh, we get more and more like they they focus quite heavily on this UTI like we get a shot back of him at home with uh, his wife Bonnie Hunt and then his wife the, wants to fuck and, and he can't because like, his dick hurts too much and then in the middle of the night he like has, he like stumbles out of the house he's like in house. real trying to yeah. get to the outhouse doesn't make it collapses on his knees and then is crying in pain yeah. while he pisses it's, in the garden it's really intense um, it's taken so we seriously we also learn that Nobby McNobface uh he, he, he wants to be. He wants to be in front of the action, right? Yeah. It's mentioned uh, by also, the prison warden that uh, he's the uh, nephew yes. of uh, someone who's married to the governor. Yes. Uh, uh, and we also learn at this point that uh, the warden's wife is not well. No, uh, when the warden a... and Tom Hanks's uh, character chat, uh, they talk about this guy saying, "Yeah, he's the nephew of some other big person, so he's kind of sure. untouchable." And also, yeah, my wife's not well. Uh, she's got a brain tumor. Yeah. Um, Tom Hanks goes to have a chat to this guy. He learns that um, he's put in a request or he's kind of been up for uh, maybe moving to a mental institution where to get better paid. But he is just, uh, he says that, no, I'm not going to leave. I want to, I want to be the person in the front. I want to be the person who gets to say, uh, do you have any last words? Uh, May God have mercy on your soul. And Tom Hanks is like, effectively throughout the film goes, if you will guarantee that you will leave, we will let you do it once, but you need to promise you're going to leave because we hate you here and we want you to go. Yeah. You're inhumane. Cool. Uh, and so they have the first execution. We've had that walkthrough and yeah. then we have the first execution, which is goes off. Over. Yeah. It's a, goes, they, it goes fine. Fine. <laughs> I don't, don't, don't really like, know how to describe it. American man, uh, there's a nice bit of conversation where he goes, do you think that if we truly repent what we do, we'll be able to be in our happiest place in heaven, effectively? And Tom Hanks says, I, I hope so. Again, kind of reconfirming that he's very definitely a very Christian character there's there's all that kind of going on the undercurrent but also he's not cruel to these men we do not see the rest of their crimes um, they may be bad but you know most of them do repent what they have done once they get to this point yes that's kind of um, set up between that uh, first execution and the next execution is this when Sam Rockwell's character come in, no. comes in or is that after the second execution it's, I think it's after the second execution okay, but I do believe before the oh, second no, no, execution. No, 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 sorry. No, because the second execution is of um, the mouse guy, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, no. So Sam Rockwell was around by then. Yeah, but I, even before that, I believe. Um, John Coffey. John Coffey grabs uh, Tom Hanks' yes. dick. John grabs Tom He's like, hey, are you, you all right, mister? And he's like, no, come here. Just come, 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 come here, sir. Just come, come here. And then grabs Tom Hanks' dick. Uh, and then he's like, what the fuck is going on? Um, some light bulbs glow and some bees shoot out of uh, John Coffey's yeah, bee, mouth. Yeah, it's like, like bees wasps or, flies. Wasps or flies or like a bunch of dust. I don't yeah. know. There's a buzzing noise. Um, and then uh, Tom Hanks like, hey, my, my, my dick my feels a little bit. Yeah. And then, then he goes home. And, and he fucks. And he fucks. So, sorry, of course, it's uh, time for uh, one of our favorite segments. Uh, so introducing... Introducing... Does Tom Hanks fuck in this film? Bill, Bill. Yes, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks does fuck in this film. That has been... Does Tom Hanks fuck in this film? Bill, 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 Bill. Why, thank you, Jamie. <laughs> that was helpful. Yes. So, for, for the listeners at home, and of course, I've edited in, um, I've edited in the, 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 the theme song there. Uh, we had a very weird back and forth for me and Al, where I was like, no, I'm going to edit. It's fine. Yeah, I'm going to edit it. And Al did not get it. So Al had a very weird experience just yes. now. Um, but yes, Tom Hanks does fuck in this film. Not only does he fuck, he fucks. Four times in, in one, one night. night. And then takes a sick day not to fuck again. Instead, he wants to find out more about John Coffey and John Coffey's case. He goes to see his old friend who he's going to see. Nice. Lieutenant Dan! Lieutenant Dan! Lieutenant Dan's got his legs back again again. Oh my God. Um, and uh, he's basically like, so why did you... He's trying to find out. He's a lawyer who represented Michael Dungan, And he's like, 
do you think he could have done this? Like, he, he seems like such a nice bloke. And why, like, did, yeah. he, why did he defend him? He's like, yeah, no, I think he did it. Yeah. And there's a bit of an uncomfortable, like, comparison with, like, a dog. Oh, there's, there's a very, very nasty sequence where, um, effectively, what he says is uh, that a, mo- like, in the same way that you might love a mongrel um, dog... Uh, who, you know, even could be really, you know, nice for most of his life, blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe it's not useful for anything, but you keep it around because you love it. Might turn around and bite your son's face, which a dog did to his son's eye. Yeah, did to his son's eye, and then he says, I just, I love that dog, but I took him out and fucking shot him in the face. Yeah. And And basically says a black man is the same as that dog. Yes, it's very uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. He's, Um, he's, he's, you're meant to be uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. uh, Um, And then we get back, and Sam Rockwell uh, is introduced uh, into the ward. Um, He's... He's going buck wild. He get he gets led in and then immediately starts just like choking people, oh, punching he, people. He, kind of, he sets things up by uh, when they get him from the mental institution because he's been kind of uh, declared sane enough to be executed. Uh, he pretends that he's been doped out. No one checks that he's doped out. They take him back and he's like, "Ha, surprise!" Bitches. I'm not doped, and just starts choking people. Um, and uh, and uh, Tom Hanks pointing a gun at him and he's saying to. Uh, Dicky McDick face. Look, just hit him with your fucking. You've got, you've got your baton right there. Just fucking hit him, hit him, you fucking pussy. Uh, and then a uh, big, uh, big strong uh, police officer comes through yeah. and it's like, oh, you fucking idiot! Grabs the baton, right. whacks Sam Rockwell over the head, and they get him into a um, cell. Um, th- basically, there's not much to learn about this character other than he is. He's fucking a, Buckwild he's, insane. He's we a, see multiple scenes of him yeah. like spitting in Tom Hanks's face, mm. like just going like. Constantly like he jarring pees on someone. He pees on someone, uh, like constantly just trying to eats like the moon pie, he spits the entire yes, moon yes. pie on someone's face. Yes, he eats a moon pie with like a chocolate pie and then spits it into which, um, uh, the tall officer's face, which Tom Hanks appreciates. He's like, "That's inventive." Yeah, but, you know, it's like, quite funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we probably won't touch on him much until we get back to the end, just because it's uh, very difficult in this very long film yeah, yeah, to remember a, the exact order that things happen. It's happened. basically all the way through. Assume there's any scene uh, he's being a dick. Um, there is one other thing just before the execution, no, the next execution, which is that he grabs the dickish police officer through the bars, uh, and the dickish police officer pisses himself. Yes, uh, yes he, he goes. Does. Don't you don't tell anyone, and they're like, "It's the green mile. We're not going to tell anyone. Yeah. They want to get rid of him. They want to get him through this." Yeah, uh, and before the next execution, uh, it's of the man who's been looking after the mouse, yeah. um, and uh, so he's like, "Hey, can you guys still continue to look after this mouse? I really like it. It'd be okay." Sure. Um, we're get, we're getting again. It's this consistent thing of like. Tom Hanks is a good man, and also they treat their prisoners with well, respect. Yeah. Um, so they're like, cool, yep, absolutely, we'll look after it. We'll it, send them to like a mouse university, yeah. right? They're nice. And, most of these people here are not really mentally capable to some extent, right? Like, they are some level of. of uh, the, 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 that, that character to the, or um, Michael Clark Johnson to some extent, um, they're all. Uh, seemingly of low average intelligence. Um, yes. You know, he's like, oh, cool, we can go to mouse university, blah, blah, blah. They don't. You know, obviously, he's not going to Mouse University. Doesn't yes. exist. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks for clarifying that. They out. only exist in the UK. Yes, and, if, and if Mouse University did exist, it would be fucking expensive. And that Mouse, mouse uh, well, he, he's a circus performer, as exactly. we know. He has, you can't earn enough money as no. a circus performer to go to Mouse University. But um, I mean, at so, this point, Jamie, wait, well, we're in the 1930s. It just costs a cool ten dollars to go yeah. to university for you. Um, um, so at this point, they point. said, "Yeah, well, look." And uh, the mouse escapes. Yeah, uh, and. Dick, Dick boy just fucking stands on it. Yeah. He just stumps on it and he's like, I told you I'd fucking kill that mouse. Um, and everyone's like, what the fuck? 
cute the, ticket. The guy's getting executed is not taking this well. Uh, so Tom Hanks decides to make the rogue move. His dick's been fixed. Can they fix the nearly dead man? No, I, I think Michael Clark Duncan Obviously, does say, he he's like, bring it over here. Yeah. And he's like, well, my dick's been fixed, so maybe Mr. Jangles can too. Uh, brings him out, and then we have the exact same thing again. There's like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. There's lights, and then... Bees, uh, uh, yeah, a bunch of bees coming out of his fucking mouth. Um, and he's like, um, I think every time he does this, he like seems to lose a little bit of energy. Yeah, uh, so it, it then takes he's a like, lot out of him. Yeah, and then he, he has goes, to take the physical pain into himself, yeah. I believe, and then he releases it in the form yes. of a swarm of um, So, yeah, he... Uh, brings goes, the mouse back yeah, brings the mouse back. And then the other guy's like, like look, it's... And then the, the dickish guy is like, hey, you didn't... They, they go to him, he's like, you didn't actually kill it. Look, it's great. Right. He's like... What the fuck? I'm sure I killed that thing, and so he still has a vendetta uh, for this mouse. Sure, and and the guy and the prisoner who loves the mouse. Too. Yes, um, the prisoner gets to the day before his execution, goes into a wee show for some of the people while they're trying to stage the thing. Everyone this time round, Dickie Dickface is gonna get to be the guy in charge of the execution. Yep, they walk him through it. They show him all the steps of how you would do it. Um, he's like, okay, all gonna be great. The next day, the prisoner is brought in to be executed. Um, he's kind of being led up. Uh, everyone is kind of uh, jeering for this guy to, you know, they kind of they have a crown there, uh, and the crowd are kind of quite hostile to this guy. That you know, they're, they're very aggressive. They uh, and the uh, the uh, sorry, two things. One is that uh, beforehand, when they uh, this is really important, when they uh, put the sponge on the head, it's a wet sponge to make yeah. sure they die quicker. The second thing is he basically right before he dies goes, "There's no mouse university, you prick." Um, yeah. Or something to that effect. Yeah. Just, just to torture this just, guy. Yeah, taunts him for no fucking reason. And then he does not get the sponge wet. wet. He fakes uh, getting it wet and sticks it on his head. Um, and then they turn the power on. And so begins just a really fucking Horrific. awful scene to watch. Um, it, the guy, it just keeps on going and going. He starts like burning yeah. up. And, like, At the beginning, Tom Hanks tries to stop it. Uh, but they go, no, he's like... He, like he's already in, like, there's nothing we can do. He's already in pain. We, well, like, we have to just get it through. He's um, And then he's... fire he's, comes out. Like, fire, and, and like they turn off. He's like, no, he's still alive. Yeah. Um, at this point... People are screaming. They want yeah, to get out. They're the, trying to get out. Uh, Dick Boy turns away. And Tom Hanks is like, fuck watch. you. Turn around and watch this. Um, John Coffey back in the cell. Um, so it starts, starts. Seems like he's feeling this yeah, pain. Seemingly, he's like an empath. He can feel uh, positive emotion. He can feel negative emotion, and he's just crying. Uh, and he's holding really high into Mr. Jangles. He's holding. He's holding. He's squeezing on Mr. Jangles. The lights are glowing all around. Uh, uh, Sam Rockwell is just going. Woo! Yeah, baby. Woo! Let's go. It's ride amazing. the lightning. It's amazing now. I didn't realize this was where the term "ride the lightning" came from. <laughs> I thought it was like a like a sports drink thing, but no. Um, uh, yes, and uh, eventually, horrifically, uh, the the Duncan, the guy with uh, the mouse, uh, is just a charred corpse. Yeah, we've seen it before. This is not the way it's meant to happen. Nope. Um, um, and so there, all the officers are like, "You fucking dickhead!" They're like they take him apart and like just are tearing him apart and then uh, the warden comes through and they're like it was a mistake Yeah, he made a mistake they they like A they need to get rid of him they, 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 yeah they just need to get rid of him so they're like fuck it we'll just like defect, uh, defend this guy um, uh, but they're also like you're a fucking prick um, yeah, get out of here get out of here put your transfer in get out of here yeah um, so at this point we sort of end the uh, enter the last third of the film yeah which is pretty easy summed up by uh, they two things one um, Sam Rockwell character at some point touches Michael Clark Duncan uh, and Michael Clark Duncan seems to sense something from it right we yeah. don't know what yet yeah but he senses um, something uh, and also the in a scene where they're all discussing uh, like all the prison officers are like having lunch 
Um, they, like Tom Hanks is like, he touched my dick and we fucked. And Bonnie Hunt is like, he's right. We, we did do indeed do the fuck. I mean, that's every, hey, hey, Jamie, look, let's not lie. Anytime anyone we know fucks, they come in and they're like, guys, I fucked. I fucked. Um, uh, and so they're like, maybe it would work on the warden's wife. Like, may, if it worked on my dick. Maybe and a mouse, work, and a mouse, ma- they and brought a mouse back from the dead. Uh, so maybe, maybe you can uh, cure, cure the brain cancer. And they're like, okay, uh, they may as well fucking try it. And so it's obviously a big risk for them because they'd have to take him out and they'd him sneak out, yeah. him out uh, so he can go to the warden's house. They, uh, in order to do that, they drug Sam Rockwell's character and they just straight up uh, put the Dickie McDick face in, in a straight jacket and chuck him in solitary confinement. Like shove a like, handkerchief in his mouth, put a tape over that and they're like, hey, in a padded cell, you're going to remain here. Yeah, uh, they get him out. Um, they see him out. He seems to really like being outside. He sees the stars. Uh, he yeah. hasn't seen them for a while. Uh, it's very sweet. Um, and they get to the warden's house. The warden turns up with a gun and he's like, what the fuck are you guys doing here? What the fuck is that guy doing here? Um, they're like, look, Tom Hanks fucks, right? So we just got to give it a go. Um, uh, and they get him into the house. Uh, and then in um, the we see uh, his wife clearly like with, through makeup, but like, looking like gaunt and like yeah. dead or yeah really struggling in bed uh and he goes up to her sticks he kisses her mm-hmm. for some reason and the warden does not shoot him immediately well, seemingly um at least the way it seemed in the film is that like he has to draw the evil or the sickness out from somewhere so from the dick or from the mouse or obviously it's a brain tumor so I guess coming out through the mouth through the mouth and then suck it like like think the Dementors when they're sucking someone's soul he's doing that to her but with light instead of darkness and you know before he when she's sick her face is you know really ragged she's looking awful she's uh, we've had it set up earlier that now her personality has entirely changed She's swearing a lot, but she has a moment of lucidity. And then after it sucks uh, out, she's... Yes, uh, if you uh, have ever seen um, one of the memes of uh, when you nut, but she's still sucking, it's basically this scene. <laughs> um, and then she's fine. She's like, yeah, great. And he's unwell. We don't see him do the do the flies this time. No, instead he's kind of uh, collapsing. Uh, the warden's like, my wife, she's alive. Great. We and, gone fuck. And everyone else assumes that John Coffey is wanting to die. That um, that he, instead of wanting to be executed, he's taking that tumor into himself so that he dies that way. And they go, if he wants to die that way, he can die that yep. way. So they get him back to um, the, cell. the cell. Put him back in the cell. Uh, they put him back in the cell. They get uh, the guy out. Um, and they're like, uh, dude, leave this job. We hate yeah, you if you don't. You, you're a we're going to ruin your life. Um, and so he comes out of the uh, solitary confinement, and uh, Michael Clark Duncan grabs him, uh, by his him, throat, uh, but and uh, puts all of the fucking flies into him. Yeah. Um, he does not. B- bad boy does not react well to this. Um, he seems uh, almost in like a catatonic state, like what, like or like zombified almost. I th- the tumor's gone to him. So yeah, that, yeah, yeah. But like, but he's still walking, so the, yeah. and he's like almost. But he walks, and then he sees Sam Rockwell's character. He uh, his head off. Well, you know, and he, then he just shoots, shoots him, him like five times. And uh, then he uh, collapses. And then he collapses. Out and he's and he's zombified. yeah he's he's yeah. And then we find he's put into a. Um, Mental hospital, uh, because he's, like, essentially, as I said, in, like, same, a catatonic yeah, state. the same room that Sam Rocco was in uh, to begin with. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, yeah, now, he's now, yeah, basically had a mental breakdown. Yeah. Uh, he's 
cannot talk or whatever. Tom Hanks is like, what the fuck, dude? Uh, and he's like, look, I, I can only show... Apparently, I can only show I, you. I couldn't I've gotta tell give you, you. I've got to gift some of my power to you so I can show you what I saw when I touched uh, Sam Rockwell, yeah. right? He said, I had to kill both of them because they're bad men. Um, and then he shows uh, that Sam Rockwell was actually the one who, um, raped, and who murdered- raped and murdered the two little girls. And we see a little scene of him. He was, uh, like, working on their farm or something. Yeah, it's farmhand. Um, he's a farmhand. Um... And, uh, yeah, you get, like, some real creepy scenes of him, like, whispering at the girls and shit. Not really going to describe much more than that, because it's real fun, creepy and gross. Yep. Um, and it's, like, constantly cutting back to um, Tom Hanks' reaction to seeing this. Um, and then uh, once it's shown that, he's like, I had like, I had to do it, boss. So, like, I had to, I had to kill him. Um, at this point, Tom Hanks like, okay, I can either break... We can break you out. Is that what you want? We can break you out. Yeah. We can make you free. Like, I'll, do, I'll do whatever you want. Whatever you want. I, I, I cannot send... A miracle of God to death because what? Then I'm gonna go up to God and he's gonna be like, "What the fuck, dude? You killed a mi- I sent you a miracle and you were Jesus like, Jesus came back. Ah, and but I gotta kill him. Um, but so, Michael Clark is like, nah, nah. The world is too awful. I can feel everyone. Yeah, he gets he gets his first like extended amount of actual like speech. speech and he's like, yeah, I've seen too many horrible things. Uh, I'm I'm ready to go. Sure. Uh, and then we get the uh, execution scene. Everyone is obviously very upset. They're Tom, crying. The guards, Tom, the guards are crying. The guards are crying, but Tom Hanks even having to be like, come on, you, you can't be crying. You, yeah. can't, you have to show face. You have to yeah. say... Um, the people in the crowd are... Oh, jeering him, like, the, saying... And then yeah. the parents of these two guys who were killed, and they still think that Michael Clark yeah. did it, and they were um, like, kill him twice. And yeah. these guards are just... He, yeah. Michael Clark Duncan goes, you know, oh, there's I, so much negativity, there's so much hatred here, and to which uh, Tom Hanks says, you gotta, you got to feel how we feel, because we love you. Yeah. Um... He, he, they, he asked not to have the um, put hood on. put on because he's scared of the dark. I get that it's a plot point, but fucking hell, a police officer would never, ever, ever, ever let a man be <laughs> Like, it's not it's not for him. No, it's The hood is else. not for him. It's for everyone else. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, they let him not have the hood. He um, says, uh, do you have any last words? Michael Hall Duncan says, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry, effectively. He goes, uh, may God have, and like, you know, in a very, very strong bit of acting, he goes, you know, may God have mercy on your soul. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we don't actually, in, whereas in the other t- ones, we've seen, we've seen them getting electrocuted. Yeah. We just see the police well, officer's reaction yeah. to and it. And there's also, after he says, may God have mercy on your soul, he's meant to say, flip switch too. And he can't say it. Yeah. And he's just standing there and he's looking, he can't yeah. say it. And can't the other police officer says like, oh, you have to say it. Yeah. And he, eventually he says it. And yeah. John Connor's uh, dead. Uh... Back to the future! Back to the future! Suddenly, so the reason this movie is three hours long, actually all the thing we've discussed, is actually only an hour long, and then they have two hours of Back to the Future, yeah, and then the movie ends. I think we described that quite quickly, yeah, no, but no, what is a three-hour movie? Yeah, but what movie? is a three-hour movie? Like, it, it, and, it takes well, we'll, time yeah, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get into sure. it when we... Uh, right, we go back to the future, uh, and then... Um, His mate's like, dude, what the fuck? You said- so you said this was 1935, and you had two grown adult children, and this is now 1995. 1995. And the guy's like, yeah, I guess it uh, doesn't quite add up. A uh, little fun fact I forgot to say. Um, Tom Hanks was also originally due to uh, play the old version of his character uh, but the makeup sucked uh, yeah. so they got uh, another old actor Innocently, honestly some, do that anyway do it anyway I think the aging up doesn't work but they could have got someone who looks a little bit more like Tom Hanks like I, in Saving Private Ryan I think it works really well the old version yeah, yeah, yeah. of um, Matt Damon they like even a, do a transitionary shot like they've got works. a very similar yeah. head shape like it works this guy looks nothing like Tom Hanks I for the but most, like, I'm, for the most part, I don't mind because I think 
older performers actually give a better performance. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right no, I, yeah, I think I'd, I'd rather... that, like when you de-age people, I'm like, well, there's still there's uh, there's only an extent to which you it works and yeah. the, the effect. Uh, and so yeah, it's like yeah, it doesn't make much sense, does it? Um, and then he says, uh, "Come with me," and he takes uh, this old woman and he takes her to a little um, little shack, and he says, "Hey, come have a look at this." And it's Mr. Jangles! And he's, she's like, what the fuck? And Mr. Jangles, but like slightly grey and like old. It's quite a cute little mouse. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, what the fuck? And he's like, yeah, well, he, I guess he just put like the magic into the both of us. And like, I guess we can like, I, I, don't think, I don't think we can like live forever, but like we can live for a pretty long goddamn time. Yeah, like if the mouse can live for this long, how long will I live? Yeah. And he effectively says that like, this is his punishment. This is, you know, although he probably didn't intend it, like he has to watch everyone he loves dies. Yeah. And, you know, this is what happened because he killed uh, uh, Pure Soul. Uh, Alexander. Yeah. The mouse is called Mr. Jingles, not Mr. Jangles. I've, okay, in which case, the French guy pronounces it. Cause I, I, oh, I, Jangles. I, Mr. Jangles. Mr. Jangles. Yeah, so other times they... So yes. I, I, I assume it's like Bo Jangles, which is why... Yes, uh, yes Bo Jangles is where you've got... Yeah, it's Mr. Jangles. Yeah. We, we apologise uh, deeply to all of our uh, audience members Turns that we have lied really to. Turns out really bad at listening to a Cajun accent. Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming if you say Jangles, it's Jangles, not Jingles. Um, you're, you're right, because at the end, the, the old lady says Mr. Jingles, and I'm like... This bitch is Mr. Jangles. <laughs> what a moron! Um, and that, yeah, that's basically what we get. We get him reflecting on like that's his punishment, and if the mouse lives for that long, how long is he going to live for? Yeah. Uh, and then we have the end of the film. Well done. We ploughed through that goddamn long well. movie. Pretty well. Um, right. You can start this week. Sure. I always start. What are your thoughts on this movie? I saw this film when I was like thirteen. I think I was probably I about the same 14, as well. Right. And uh, being the contrarian wanker that I was. Um, if you if there are like two Stephen King films about prison, I was like, well, this is the good one, right? Everyone loves Shawshank, right? But Green Mile, Green Mile's fucking good too. And and to some extent, I think my thirst in your opinion kind of holds up. Does it need to be three hours long? No. Would no. it probably be better as a miniseries? Yes. Um, is it a good story? Is it interesting? Is it is it well told? Sure. The d- the downsides of this film are the issues with magical realism in which you use a black person as a metaphor uh, in that uh, effectively I agree with um, Spike Lee Spike Lee yes so this uh, this film along with uh, Bag of, The Legend of Bag yeah. of Arms, which came out around the same time which also includes uh, Will Smith playing uh, a sort of magical black character uh, created Spike Lee coined the term magical the magical negro, negro. yeah and this, um, this comes which up is an, yeah, an idea for of like a black character who has some sort of like magical powers, but sure. no real actual character development, and only serves to serve the yeah. to affect it, the white and, characters. And honestly, it doesn't even need to be in how it's developed and kind of as you should as an idea throughout film history. It can just be someone who's like surprisingly useful to this black yes. character, the white characters, blah blah blah. And like it definitely is def- it's a hundred percent. Yes, right? like, oh one hundred percent. That's why it's like and even. It's not on us to comment on the racial aspect of it, but even just on the character level of it, yeah. it makes for a bad character. No, I, you don't I, get any development for this guy at all. Which I think sucks because I do think Michael Clark Duncan gives a brilliant. Oh, phenomenal! But this is nothing to do. Michael Clark Duncan is a. In fact, everyone in this gives a like, really, really, gives good, a really performance. good performance. Michael and like, Clark it's directed well. The Oscar. Yep, it's but directed it's, well. It's like the set is fantastic. Sure. It's the fundamental issue of. Um, what is a semi-allegorical story? It's like a, it, it is in many ways like a Christ parable. Um, it's a you know very simple thing, right? Someone who is too too pure for the world comes down and uh, you know is, is killed despite being innocent for a crime they didn't commit. Um, it's it's the character is also plays into 
a lot of things of like the noble savage um which is a, a kind of idea about the, the you know that actually it's the the, the savages w- wherever in the world. So at, at the time it was, the kind of deal was coming up, it's it's uh, Africa, it's uh, Native Americans in uh, America. Um, these people, although they are not cultures, they have the purest of hearts, and the character definitely plays into that too, yeah. right? And all this is look to to on to some extent like in a magical realist story. You are gonna have magic, and it's unexplained, and all that kind of stuff, and that that's somewhat true. I think the, the criticisms which I agree most with Spike Lee is that like the fact that he's offered at the end to let go, or even like why does he have no desire to break out? Um, why, when he's offered to let go, does he not go free? And that in staying there, the character remains a slave, and like that that he is <coughs> it is it is very much a depiction of a character in a slave mindset, where his his sole purpose in the film is to. Uh, help white character. He saves a. He only saves white people. He saves a mouse and then white people. He does not have any desires to be on his own, and and is underwritten and is understold. And which is why I think this story would be best told as a miniseries in which you could flesh out the character a bit more. Yeah. Right. Maybe like maybe he has guilt over the fact that these girls are dead and like you know although he did done nothing wrong and whatever you could flesh that stuff out more. And that's why I wouldn't give this from like a five um, or even I, I, I think I still probably end up giving it a four because I do like this film but it is that it is it is very dated like it, yes, it, is, it is both in kind of the original I guess uh, to some extent Stephen King story it's dated from that and then just in terms of putting it in context of uh, modern depictions of black characters it, yeah it, it, even it, worse. It, it's, it's worse with that said, there's still amazing performances given in it. I think Michael Junkin is deservedly nominated for an Oscar because he, he does bring this kind of overwhelming kind... In the, sa- the same thing that Tom Hanks does in Forrest Gump, yeah. Michael Clark Duncan does here, but I would say even better. Like I, I prefer this performance to some extent to the Tom Hanks one. Um, so yeah, I give it like a four because I, I really love parts of it. Maybe part of that's nostalgia, but it's it's flawed. It, it's very flawed. Uh so I was very much the same to you in that I saw this when I was quite young uh, and remembered really liking it. I did not enjoy this, really. Uh, a lot of what you said, and again, we are not the people to comment no, 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 on the just, racial aspects of this, but even read, just, read, as I said... Read the interview in which Spike Yeah, read, yeah, read, yeah, yeah, we, yeah go, go listen we're, to his opinion talking, on the racial politics of this. We are parroting that. Yes, so that, yeah. but even on so a character so. level, I do not connect with John Coffey at, and that's nothing to do with Michael Clark Dunn's performance. I think he's fantastic. But due to the way in which he is written and the way in which he's presented, I do not connect with him at all because he has no character. The, the only thing we learn about him until the last 30 minutes of this film is that he's scared of the dark. That is the one thing we learn about him. And then he does his couple magical things with the, with the dick. And, and I'll get onto the dick because... It's important and is actually a genuine criticism of this film. Um, and, and the mouse. And so I don't connect with it. And then he gets one speech at the end, just before he dies. And I I did not connect or feel that sad when he died. Even though he, I can completely recognise that he does a fantastic performance, the actual character has no fleshing out at all. And therefore, I don't feel sympathy for him other than the situation he's in in which he's tried to help someone uh, and been wrongfully accused. So- I, I, I get where you're coming from. I disagree in that for me, I am okay with a character being underwritten if I feel the right, the performance brings depth. Like, the performance 
implies stuff. The performance gives a sense of something deeper to it. I am okay. There is not the writing there. Like definitely like westerns and stuff. You have a lot of characters who, with a really good performance, can be really strong characters. But like in terms of the dialogue, it is, it is perfunctory. They are they're performing actions. Um, but, so, but, but, but for me, that's the quality of a good performance. In terms of it performance, did work, it did work in me. terms of performance, all we learn about him then is that he's nice. Well, no, but but it's more. But sure. But even then, right? It's it's. I think a that then plays into the allegorical nature of the story, yeah. and allegory doesn't need to be all uh, magical realism, right? Like p- part of magical realism is not explaining the shit, yeah. Like, like because, and if you did it today, it would be like, how did John Coffey get these powers? What like why, no, what's John Coffey? Yeah, I, like, I, that, I'm, all, I'm fine not knowing worse that. Anyway. Yeah, I'm fine not knowing that. However, on the magical doesn't realism, um, I don't think the magical realism is particularly well uh, done in this for a couple of reasons. Firstly, most of the magic is kind of just crammed into the last 30 minutes. It's really, other than the, again, the two instances where we see him grab Tom Hanks' dick. And, oh, fuck it, I'll talk about the dick right now because it's sure. a cute. It's so silly. I'm sorry that the, the, the grabbing of the dick and the, the constant scenes of Tom Hanks. Like, if you want to see Tom Hanks give a phenomenal performance of someone not being able to piss. It's a good performance. It's a great performance. But it's inherently silly, and yeah. it takes itself so seriously. Like, for God's sake, make him have back pain. For sure. I don't, like, it's just, there's, I, it, it's just so silly, and it makes me not take it seriously. I, I don't know how much it is, in that the film does actually, like, all the way through, has jokes, right? It, it, it's, it's a serious film, but there is a lot of comedy, there, or there's enough comedy in it, right? That I'm not sure to what extent we're meant to take that as serious as something like later on the cancer of the, the guy's wife. I, I think I think it, it's I think it is at times meant to be funny. I agree with you, but I don't think those scenes are presented in a funny manner. Therefore, I don't think that's what they're going for in those scenes. I think they are presented very uh, attempting to be weighty and serious, and I I just laugh at sure. them. I think they're okay. silly. I, um, yeah. Uh, and with that, because the magic is not that significant until the last like 30 minutes of the film yeah. it doesn't feel that significant in the whole plot I think in general magical realism is hard to do on screen in general yeah. and I think in general it is performed much better by South American directors who have grown up much much more on South American magical realist literature so like Birdman is really really good with it with Inuritu and obviously um, oh shit what's the guy who directs uh, Guillermo uh, Guillermo del Toro uh, with Pan's Labyrinth and things like that I think do magical realism much much better because they weave the magic more into it um, is that it, this is a quibble just uh, which is quibble it, it is inherent to the, the definition of magical realism and just using cinema but like I, I can see Pan's Labyrinth being magical realism. It also it moves in parts into fantasy. Like, it definitely moves I, in parts I, into fantasy. I, I, the reason why I disagree is that I think a lot of magical real, like if you look at something like the um, like IQ84 by I can't remember the Japanese author's right. Like a lot of magical realism is defined by its non-presence in it. Like it ju- like it can just uh, turn up occasionally, yeah. right? Like and that happens in like the worst of like Gabriel Garcia Marquez, right? Like yeah. So it's for me, it's not the issue is not that there is not enough of it earlier on. I think it is that like actually when I'm trying to think of this as a metaphor, like I'm not sh- I'm not a hundred percent sure. No, it, it's and not given significance. I, I think some of that is I think some of that is just Stephen King as a writer. Like I think I don't think Stephen King vaguely thinks of this as a uh, magical realist story. Like I think that's definitely something which has been applied to it after the fact by literary critics and people reading it. Um, 
And also, a lot of Stephen King's work, if you ever read about Stephen King, he doesn't normally think of it on a metaphorical level. No. So it's it's normally kind of like about the story rather than more so about like a meaning and then he kind of looks at it afterwards and goes, huh, there was more meaning in there than I thought. Um, but I think that's for the worse in this story where the magic is... Sure. It doesn't have a meaning I, and it doesn't have a significance. Well, I, I definitely do think... I, I think the meaning is in a sense of... It is a Christ-like thing, right? It's... it's he, This character is very much for the story like Jesus. He's... um you know, too good for this world. We don't deserve him. It is, we are sinners and therefore we must, we must, uh, you know, Tom Hanks commits a sin. He allows this man to die. He should not allow this man to die and he does. And because of that, he is suffered to, he's forced to suffer. And it, it is, it is biblical in that sense, right? Like the world is so corrupt in the allegorical thing. Like the world is so cruel and, you know, racism is bad and will allow an innocent black man to die um, because America in 1930 was racist, and therefore we must bear witness to this fact. It's sort of it is sort of the allegory, and but ha- the way the magic fits in there is iffy. It, 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 iffy. It, it's 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 uh, it's it's crude, and I'm not sure because even even so, I obviously I read the books. This is not the book, but the director reading the book. I am not sure how he viewed the magic, other than just a literal yes mean yeah and. I don't think that works when you're adapting it. I think, no. you know, I think in a book, sure, if it's an original story, sure. But if you were reading that and thinking, oh, the magic, I wonder how that like plays into this wider world. At the end, I'm not quite sure what I'm what going to feel about this. Thank you for expressing my opinion much more eruditely than I could have. Um, I think we agree just to like, different yeah, sense. Yeah. Um, but on that, and on the Christ-like figure, the other thing that really annoyed me about this film is the morality of this film is all fucking over this place. And we we have not really discussed this. Yeah. Um, The morality of this film makes no fucking sense. The morals is, oh, we don't treat the prisoners badly. We treat them like human beings. And, oh, it's unjust uh, that this man has been uh, been wrongfully accused and, and is going to die for it. However... This movie also says it is perfectly acceptable to torture and and imprison the other man for the things he did badly and treat him per- terribly because he's done a bad thing, and then uh, and then have him not not just torture him and like stick him in the straitjacket, then have him get a fucking brain tumor and get in the, and like get put into a essentially comatose state and put into a mental hospital and also have him murder in cold blood the other prisoner. The morality is at complete odds with itself so so I would say there are two things here I think it's interesting you would define the is he like so obviously he's beaten up and then put in the straight jacket and left in the thing yeah and hey I'm the I'm the least yes I know you're the one who's normally complaining about to some torture. extent in, yeah yeah no, I, I, and, and if you're going to nitpick I, about my definition no, no, of torture no, I, 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 can, I can see it I think for me I didn't read it as that in that like it was more so that you needed to get him out of the way like I don't think being put in a dark room for like six hours is torture like I think being put in a dark room for like several days look, without access to anyone look, is torture just because you occasionally get migraines and yeah. and by your own Fucking choice yeah. put yourself in a dark room for six That's, hours does not mean that it is no, no. It, and, and well, it, is fine it, ignoring that sure they think it is the, the movie said is, is it, is, it is okay because this man has done something bad to give him a brain tumour force him to murder someone else well, and have him ah, put into no, a mental okay, asylum so there are two things one, I disagree with the idea that inherently the movie thinks it's okay. Um, just in that, like, I I think as we're talking about it, like, the, the sense that I'm coming to is that it, it is a film about sin, right? Like, it's a film about, like, um, what is justice? What is, what is sin? What is what is crime? What is uh, grace? 
uh, in a world in which everyone is a sinner to some extent. And in that way, John Coffey serves as this, uh, as, as kind of an Old Testament god kind of thing. So he's, he's very much this kind of person who can like literally perform miracles, but also acts in a very, like as a character, is incredibly Old Testament, right? It's like there are rules and like they have done terrible things and therefore they must be punished for them. Um, to some extent... And, and 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 therefore is also partly unknowable because of it. Like the idea of a, a god, a god being knowable is a very uh, human trying view of something which is potentially in a kind of wider Stephen King, like you know Lovecraftian way. Like potentially a god or whatever figures behind John Coffee is unknowable, is um, uncomprehensible to humanity, and therefore these things are senseless. That uh, but humans trying to put on. That kind of world, um, meaning that then trying to say one life is worth saving while another one's worth saving, like, I, is not true. Like, I, I think it is about that kind of, uh, in a world which, uh, very much like, in a world which is full of sin, John Coffey was one pure thing. Um, but even his purity comes with a, a weird Old Old Testament uh, view and of, of God, and in doing so, it is... Un- uncomprehensible to us as people um, which is a very complex way of saying it, it the, the film thinks humanity is fucked no, or, 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 or there is no saving us but I disagree that it's not it's clearly defending the it thinks that the dickest twatty character deserves what he gets he has done bad things and therefore and and like John Covey said like these people deserve to get what they get and Tom Tom Hanks doesn't and no the film doesn't judge John Coffey or anyone for these things happening to these two bad people it doesn't judge it for having Sam Rockwell's character I, and it doesn't judge anyone for it doesn't judge, them, him being put into a mental it doesn't judge John Coffey it doesn't judge anyone no, 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 it says no, 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 no. That, it no, doesn't say know, that there is anything bad in that happening that no, that sure, was sure. the but right what, thing to happen what, what is that like the core of this film right is like and, and if you were to go for the theme of the book or that is like the death penalty is bad is, is what is what the, the core is theme and, and it shows that by like saying like well if this one perfect soul could die because of this then people shouldn't be killed the fact that like Tom's hand character after that transfers across another guy yeah, he, never, across, he never does they can never do it again yeah. suggests that they have lost faith in that whatsoever so wherein so whereas obviously like the biblical god-esque figure of John Coffey decides who lives and who dies he a man cannot that like the power of life and death is not in the hands of a human being is what the film i would suggest the film thinks whereas john coffee being god can even if we can't really comprehend it i i, I agree so I, I, I still think that's bullshit morality that morality is that is i still think that this film disagrees with itself in its own message of what is right and what is wrong it, even if you want to put the hands of who makes those decisions in separate um, places and say that God can make those decisions and people can't, this film cannot d- does not agree with itself on whether it is right to treat someone with humanity, whether they but, do no, something I, good or something bad. I, no, I disagree. I think the film suggests that um, humans need to treat people with humanity, but that because he is literally God who can see into people's hearts, only God can judge. Right, like that's. It, but again, as that, that's no, but, still but, a bullshit but, morality. No, it's not, well, because sure, because but, that's, still, that's, but that's a basic Christian. That, that's like a, a central tenet of Christian theology, right? Like, thou shalt not murder is is like central to the Ten Commandments. The idea that like within this, we're thinking of God as a human thing rather than a, like a cosmic force 
in this film. I, 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 hey, there are a load of philosophers out there who completely agree with you that a god who would do this is cruel and terrible. And I don't, but it is suggesting in it, it is not for humans to decide who lives and dies. It is for God. But that doesn't make it in conflict with itself. It like it still makes it say that it is like irrelevant of whether only if someone, a human being, is still making this decision because it is a filmmaker making this and a writer making sure. this. Even if they write it as a god making it, they are saying. They are saying, as a writer, as a filmmaker, that we have two bad characters in this film, and it is okay no, no. that they receive punishment by God. But like, and but, I think the, the difference in here is like a difference of like perspective in terms of like from a Christian point of view, it is not that is not a morality thing, right? That is that is a final judgment thing. As a, as a metaphor, it is a, a, a like God has judged these two people, and therefore they die. And they are writing of that view and within that therefore like it, within a christian view of the film it would not be inconsistent because god is not human like humans making that choice the and i think the film suggests is wrong like tom hanks stops doing it he can't do it he can't possibly do that thing again god doing it i would like within the film is not human and therefore it, on, it the film believes it's not inconsistent because you're you're viewing it as like I'm viewing it from my own perspective, which sure. is not a Christian's perspective, and not everyone who watches this is a Christian's perspective. No, but, so I'm saying, I'm but, but I'm perfectly you're saying, no, but you're saying the film is inconsistent, whereas I'm saying from the film's point of view, it is telling a Christian story. So I'm saying, but I'm, I'm still saying you disagreeing dis- sure. with that morality. Sure, that's fine. But what I'm saying is not it's not necess- you, you can disagree with that. And that's fine. You can question that. But what I'm saying is like that doesn't mean the film is in itself taking a model thing. That is that you are fundamentally disagreeing with the, the film's view. I give this a 2.5. Jesus fucking Christ. That was the most boring 10 minutes of this podcast ever. What do you think of this Tom Hanks uh, performance? Four. I like it. Yeah, I also give it a four. Jesus Christ. He's pretty good. He's not perfect. Uh, Tom Hanks dick meter. Three. Three? Yeah. He lives forever because he killed a good man. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Five. Fuck it, Jamie. Five. He asks- five. I give it a five. He kills a good man. He suffers for it. Yeah. He asks. He asked this man. He asked technically in. He and he asked suffers God. for it. That's, and he suffers he for asked it. God, should I and kill he, you? Yeah, and God and said he, yes. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's not a sin. Like he did it. He also. He was also. And regardless of the fact, he's working in death row, and I think that's morally abhorrent. So, the fact that he's aiding the deaths of probably hundreds of people, I think, is morally reprehensible. Fair. I will give him a. 1.5 because I think he generally tries to go- do good things. He he stops working in uh, death row after this, and he he he, he je- he's a change man even if he lives forever. And he looks after a little mouse, and that mouse is nice, and he's good to the little mouse, and I like the mouse, so I'm only giving him a 1.5. I changed mine to a six. Changed. <laughs> God, we better finish no, this. No, no, no. He's going to be a 19 by the no, end I changed, of this. I, I do actually change it to a seven. He's, he's the most reprehensible person Tom Hanks has ever played. What? Um, oh my we need to get to the next ranking otherwise he's going to be a 19 pretty soon uh, is this movie going in your hangs bank? no no of course no it was, and it was sad because I remember liking this movie as a kid and so I think well it's not that sad because it's not that good of a movie in uh, 2019 eyes and with uh, mature adult eyes but it's sad today. I thought this was going to be one of the good ones yeah. I thought it was I was really looking forward to it but no, it's not going in my Hank's Bank. So, when we decide something's not going in your Hank's Bank, then uh, we must decide what's going to save humanity this week, Alexander. We need to present something to the aliens and say, look, we can't give you this film this week, but here's something else. Please don't kill us for one more week. What are you going to present to these aliens? Um, if you can, uh, I'd tell the aliens and any human being living in London to go to the Year 3 exhibition and the Tate uh, Britain 
uh, Stephen Queen and his team of photographers have photographed 70% of London's schools uh, in their year three. Um, so it's about 70,000 kids. Uh, and each of their schools, each of their year three classes, has an individual photo. And it's the uh, best art exhibition I've ever seen in my life. I, I, for me, it's incredibly moving, really powerful. It, um, looking at an entire, like, not even generation, like a, an entire one year of kids and seeing their faces and seeing, like, the stories each individual photo tells and the photos themselves are beautiful and it's, it's joyous and wonderful and uh, it's a testament to um, the power of London and the, the, the wonderful of London in a country which is uh, overwhelmingly undiverse when you look at it statistically uh, and London is a city which is overwhelmingly diverse. It tells a wonderful story uh, about where we are and where we may be. So go see that. Mine's going to be full-fat Coca-Cola. I think there's, I think there's an attack on sugar, and I like sugar. It's nice. I, I don't think you should have too much of it. It's of course health, healthiness and have a balance in life. But sometimes you just want a nice little, to nice tasting full-fat Coca-Cola with the sugar. I like it when it comes out of the 330 milliliter cans. I think it's the best. I'm now remembering Alexander that I think I might have put full fat presented the aliens with full fat Coca Cola before. You can give them two cans. <laughs> I'm gonna give them a second can of Coca Cola and be like, try "Oh again. shit, try again." I mean, I know you really liked it last time, so here it is again. Oh goodness, right? Oh, I was so wanted this to be a quick one, and it's definitely like an hour and forty minutes. So you can follow us at Hangsbank Pod and uh, Jamie P. Logs, and spelt without the S, of course, if you remember that from an hour and a half ago. Uh, and Al under at Al underscore C's underscore stuff. Uh, as we mentioned last week, uh, we are recording these uh, with a couple ahead of time. Um, so while we are recording uh, Castaway next week, by the time this comes out, we'll have already recorded it. So if you want to send us in some thoughts about that, that's nice and kind. Uh, but we won't be able to talk about it on the episode. So maybe look, maybe look like a few weeks ahead and send in some thoughts about that. Or just tell us that you like us and that we're pretty. We'd also like that. And of course, Alexander, you can tell us what you always tell us. But remember... There's an important proviso to what you always tell us. No, fuck that proviso. Steal people's phones, <laughs> download it on this, and throw it to the police. That's right, they'll get it back eventually. Who gives a shit? Steal their phones. Morally good, all right? We live in an abnormal world. It's fine. Only God can judge, Jamie. Only God can judge. Steal everyone's phones. Go out into the street. See all these people. They are all your targets. You will steal their phones, and you will download every single episode of Hank's Bank onto it. I'm not saying one episode. I'm saying two episodes. I'm saying every episode of that show. Then what you're going to do is each of their phones, you're going to rate us five stars, and you're going to write, wow, guys, so great, underneath on iTunes, on Spotify, on everything you can. There's something called like CF Audio, who gives a shit? You're going to download that there too. And after you've done that, you are just going to throw it somewhere else. You're going to give it to someone who looks like they need a phone. You're going to swap everyone's phone, so everyone else can contact details. And then after that, you're going to go and rate it and review it on your own podcast. And then after that, you're going to go remember the fact that the millennium was apparently on 2001 <laughs> and not 2000, and you're going to go be quiet for an hour. Now, Alexander, I, I hate to bring the energy back down very quickly before we end, but did you at some point recommending that that they throw their phones at a policeman? Yeah. So you're now recommending not only stealing, which is also a crime, but then assault. And not just assault, assault of a policeman. It's going to get you in way more trouble. Morally speaking, a policeman is no better or worse than any other person. It's fine. <laughs> yes, but in societally speaking, oh, oh, don't oh society, societally, Jamie, the millennium happened on January 1st, 2000, not 2001, you son of a bitch. For me, Jamie, and my co-host Al, that's one more app in the bank. Fuck the year 2001. Hans Bank.